Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes and with me is the one and only, the godfather of golf, Peter Donahue. Pete, I'm very excited to be be here. I haven't done one of these, you know, just the two of us in a while, but you know, that's how it all started. Andy, you know? I know I know it and, and true to your form, you haven't told me a thing about it and so uh, we're going to be flying uh, from the seat of our pants today. That's the best way to do it, <laughs> if you ask me. I heard you listened to our last podcast. Uh huh. I did. I did. I right. loved. It. Are you a, are you a hot coffee drinker or a cold you know cold cup? Oh, oh no! I'm definitely a hot coffee drinker. Yeah. Cold cup? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Although you know uh, that was a, that was a very popular thing for for my parents' generation. They drank iced coffee a lot, and they called it Boston coffee back in the day. That's when you'd put a lot of cream in it and a lot of sugar. And now your generation has. Well, let's come back. Actually, they drink cold. Jansen, you know, only drinks cold coffee. Sure. So sure. Yeah. We used to call it iced coffee. So, what did you think? Do you have any? Uh, do you have any like insights into? I think we ended by saying like you know talking about how you're impacted by so many things in your environment that we don't even know about. Yeah. I was yeah. just curious if you had any any thoughts. Well, on that. you know, uh, you know, there was something. There's a book on the bookshelves downstairs called P- "Power Versus Force," and um, uh, it's an interesting idea. And and the power of words, uh, which then you know are convey images in the mind, uh, you know, are very powerful things. And have you ever, are you familiar at all with the the work done by a a Japanese, he's a a scientist, but uh, on water crystals? Water crystals? Yeah. No. Well, um, he has done studies, taken photographs, actually, of water crystals, like the difference between water crystals uh, from water that's filtered down um, Mount Fuji, uh, you know, in in a in a very natural way, and uh, as compo- as a as opposed to the water that comes out of the taps in Tokyo, mm. and if you look at the water crystals, and you think about, gee, that's what I'm ingesting into my body. You would never drink the water that comes out of the taps in Tokyo. But <laughs> further than that, they did studies. They put water in bottles that had swastikas on them or hate words and took those out, froze them, and looked at them. And, and uh, at any rate, the people who study this stuff said, says see <laughs> this is this is what happens with hate thoughts and words wait you're telling me the water so water crystals you're saying like frozen water yep frozen and what it water. looks like yeah and so it looks different based on you know mount fuji versus, versus the tap yeah the but then tap. you're also saying you take mount fuji water and you put it in the nazi water bottle and it changes yep 
I don't. Well, now wow. you asked me a question that I that I I'm 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 sort of uh, uh, extrapolating. Yeah, you know, I the, mean, most studies. of the things we talk about on here are like ninety percent researched. So, well, you know, you, you should look. I invite good. you to look it up. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of. A lot of funny, fun stuff out there. Now, this guy is is sometimes discredited because he's not really a chemistry scientist. He's more of a social scientist. And yet, the images speak for themselves. Yeah, so it's like a different, like it's a picture. Yeah, it's a picture. See and you see something different. beautifully exquisite in these wonderful uh, crystals that get created out of pure water and pure uh, joyous thought. And uh, as opposed to water that comes out of uh, polluted uh, streams or water that's been uh, christened with hateful thoughts and, uh, and you get something different. Why isn't everybody talking about this? I feel like it well, should be. You know? every, yeah. Well, there's a certain underground in which it, it so. is talked about. You and I are close to that underground. I guess so, but I mean, most of the time, Pete, you know, we're just talking about, you know, Justin Fields and, you know, what we yeah. think about that. But if yeah. you're telling me you can change the property of water by a, the water bottle it's in. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. 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 There was a... Uh, so anyway, I, was t I started with the idea that the, there's an author of Power Versus Thought, and he actually uh, takes this to... Um, to uh, to some sort of a measurement of of vibration, and that the highest vibration, you know, is is exhibited by people in the world like the Buddha and uh, uh, Moses and Jesus, and uh, and <clears throat> actually gives it uh, different levels of consciousness numbers, and um, and says, you know, that uh, high, higher levels will ultimately prevail over lower levels I, I don't know exactly what that means i think he was widely discredited but i thought the idea was pretty cool i mean for instance that that anger is a more powerful consciousness than uh than uh self-pity and but it's not it's not as high as um uh generosity or you know, and, and that kind of thing as you as you kind of move up the, the scale a little bit. And but but it does actually point a path towards recovery, because uh, you know if someone is mired in uh, self pity, m they can't m perhaps move to higher levels uh, before they pass through anger. You know, to get wow. angry about their situation and have that be actually a motivation. Years ago, when I was, uh, uh, you know, growing up, it was in my 20s, I had, I used anger, uh, and I remember being very successful, you know, in, a, in, in golf, using it in a short period of time. I think I was 21, and, uh, but I mistook from the experience the idea that I always thought that in order to really be in my best competitive mindset, I had to be angry, and mm -hmm. I found that anger was, uh, for me, it was just too brittle. It could get you going, but it, it didn't. Uh, uh, it didn't ride you over all the ups and downs that you need to be able to to surf over when you're, you know, competing and performing. It worked for Michael Jordan, but it didn't didn't uh, for me. Oh, yeah. I, it just reminded me of a, a quote that I 
heard in a podcast recently. Um, where did it go? This is from a, a guy named Ram Das, who's just like a spiritual teacher guy. Yeah. He says, goodness is its own reward and evil is its own punishment. That like, um, I think we often think about how things are, you know, you would do good or do a certain generosity for something that would like come, come later. You know, like if I'm nice to you, maybe you'll help me out down the line. Or if I, um, yeah, I guess it's doing good for the, you know, the reward that could come with it, you know, in the future. But he's kind of saying goodness in itself is like a reward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it is. Um, cause, um, and so the vibration, you know, like, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's creating, uh, it's an energy that can be, you know, that, that a person can create for itself, but it's very often an energy that's created by two or more people. You know, sure. when you're, when you are dealing with each other with a spirit of generosity and, and, uh, and appreciation and, um, uh, uh gaining dominion over someone else, you know, through, uh, dishonesty, uh, is a, uh, uh, may often result in a reward, but what it does to the psyche of a, uh, I think a person who's not a, uh, what do I want, uh, uh, not schizophrenic, but psychotic, I think psychotic people don't experience guilt, but when you do bad things, it um, it occupies your attention. It it, it grabs your attention, and uh, uh, I think you know that was. I remember uh, the Doors had a song uh, that were the words to the song was uh, "There's a killer on the road. His brain is squirming like a toad." <laughs> and uh, I think that's, I think that's a, uh, that's an oddly uh, vivid description of uh, what uh, a person with, uh, e- with evil or dishonesty on their minds happens to their minds. I think they just get restless and squirmy, and and uh, uh, you know, are you're not never comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, but so and I think it's a helpful thought because so often when that you know let's say that bad person when we see them um we like wish they would get their their comeuppance you know like the guy who is a jerk to you like driving and like passes by like it's like why doesn't he ever get pulled over right you know like that's always a question it's like why not like why can i never see that you know that that person get pulled over he never does um nope but but he's kind of like well you, you know it's its own it's its own punishment and so in the talk you know he was talking about uh, this was before Donald Trump ever got into politics. He's talking about like Donald Trump and how he was, you know, when he was so into, you know, all this, these like shady business deals and taking advantage of people and all these things that he did, like just for his own gain. And he's like, if you want, he said, if you want that trip, you can, you can take it. Like, and so I thought that was a pretty, pretty good way of thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's there's certainly uh, a difference, in, and some people would say uh, he's not, you know, suffering at all. That that he's enjoying the fruits of his 
whatever you want to call it, his way of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but uh, but uh, for for uh, those of us who look at life as like, well, I have a choice. You know, I can live this way or I can live that way. Um, you know, I can say that um, uh, I'm glad I didn't have to choose that way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I have a. I did have some general direction of where I was hoping this podcast can go, and it has to do with, I think all of our best podcasts talk about recent rounds of golf. Mm. We played. Okay. Ended up coming up with, like, talking about how how the like the story we tell ourselves in relation to you know playing golf but first i i guess i i have been following the the vikings you know minnesota vikings pretty closely this year a little closer i don't know have you been have you been following their games at all well i followed them enough to know that they won yesterday uh and a come from behind victory and uh, it was a narrow victory and a good one and uh and then I think they're two and three. Yeah, they're two and three. Okay. So your your story's a bit incomplete oh. out there. And I'll, 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 I'll feel free. I'm here to in, to enlighten you. And Go so ahead. I know I know you've been a you know a football fan for a long time. And so my my first memory of the Vikings was two, it was 19, 1998. They went fifteen and one. It's Randy Moss's rookie year. He was like the rookie of the year by far. You know, I don't know he's catching. Monster touchdown pass. They had Chris Carter on the team. Randall Cunningham was the quarterback. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they beat the Bears twice that year. Mm-hmm. Gary Anderson was our kicker. Do you remember Gary Anderson? Not very well. No, no okay. I remember the name, but I don't remember. He's, I think he's from South Africa. He would have like the one bar on his, you know, his face mask. Oh, yeah. They don't quite do that anymore. No, no, no. Um, he didn't miss a kick the entire season. He's perf- perfect field goal kicker and they make it to the nfc championship game versus the atlanta falcons and they were up um they're up by seven points with the ball about a you know minute and a half left they get to you know the 20 yard line they send on gary anderson this is perfect you know this is what we've been building for the whole year we, you know he makes a field goal we went go to the super bowl he misses the field goal first time first miss the season Falcons go down score, we lose in overtime. It's like heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Like so 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 there's something about about the Vikings that I'm that I'm learning that they don't just they don't just lose, but they lose in, in this kind of particular way where they like build they show what their potential could be and then it's you know, crushed. So so that was the first one. Um two thousand eight was their next best, so ten years later, Brett Favre was on the team, Adrian Peterson. Percy Harvin, Sidney Rice, they make it to again the NFC Championship game where they play the Saints, and they had like seven turnovers and lose in <laughs> overtime. Well, they were okay before that. They were they had the ball driving, tied, fourth quarter. They get it into field goal range. They get into the huddle, and then they I don't know when this happened, but then you know the flag comes out. It's like what? Oh, too many men in the huddle. They had twelve men in the huddle. <laughs> Pushes them out of field goal range. <laughs> Next play. So now they have to throw it. Far throws an interception. They lose in overtime. <laughs> oh, then after that year, they changed the overtime rule. where So like both teams can get the ball. Mm. And then that was like the whole bounty gate thing where the whole Saints coaching staff got suspended for a year. Like how does that 
I don't know. Oh, oh uh, I see. Now I got it. Yeah. So you mean their their mischief uh, and dishonesty was rewarded? Well, mate, yeah, sure. I, I guess I'm not. I, I didn't plan to kind of start this podcast where we started oh, it. Right. So okay. I guess I suppose it could. It was rewarded. Yeah. But yeah. But just anyway, yeah. the point is the Vikings. They yeah, tragic. Know, they're, they're, yeah, tragic tragedy. And then so it's been kind of hard to follow them. You know, it's just ends up being too much. You know, so so I've taken a few years off from watching closely, but this year, I've been watching or following along when the games aren't on TV. Week one, playing the Cincinnati Bengals, and they have the ball, tie game, driving. They're in field goal range. They give the ball to Dalvin Cook, the best, you know, one of the best players in the league. He fumbles. It's, you know. Two plays later, the Bengals kick the winning field goal. We lose. Week later, Arizona Cardinals, one you know team, it's five and zero currently. Yeah, Vikings um, have the ball down by one, getting well into field goal range. Their kicker, this guy's been awesome. He fifty, he's made he made three fifty yard kicks that day. So this one from thirty yards should be no big deal, right, Pete? No, it was a big deal. He missed. <laughs> Lose to the Cardinals by one point. Mm. The week after that, they beat Seattle handily. Was it? no controversy there. Just a good win. Week after that, play the Browns. Good team. They march down the field in their first drive, score a touchdown. Perfect. Like Kirk Cousins doesn't miss a pass, and then they don't score the rest of the game. They lose fourteen <laughs> seven. How does? How does that? How happen? does that happen? It doesn't make any sense <laughs> no, to me. I don't. I like. I don't understand football. Apparently, <laughs> no, so I don't know. <laughs> Lions. You said it was. You're right. It was a come from behind victory. But Vikings have the ball in their own. You know, on their own side of the field. Two minutes left. The Lions have burned all their timeouts. They run the ball to to Madison, the backup, to Cook because Cook got hurt. And this is one of those plays where. And they're up by seven at this point where, you know, the whole defense somehow like tackles the guy at once and like stands him up. So he's not actually down, you know, and then they just like blow, you know, they blow it and he, he never actually gets tackled because they stopped his, you know, his forward progress. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, they didn't, they didn't blow it, the whistle. And they, the guy just like took the ball out of his hand. The Lions got the ball. Lions score a touchdown. Good Lord. Lions go for two and get it. Lions are up by one. Oh, my 30 God. seconds left. Oh, my God. But, you know, Kirk Cousins somehow brought the magic kicker, 54-yarder. Boom. He made it. So maybe the story is changing. You know, it sounds like it. Sounds like it's changing. Look what happened yesterday with uh, Crosby and, and uh, the, uh, uh, the Packers against uh, the uh, Cincinnati yeah. team. They had a great game, and then all of a sudden they missed five field goals in a row. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it was Crosby missed him every way you could miss him. Missed it left, missed it right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I don't. I just. Is there any? Other, there's no other team that that plays football in this way where. Oh, the Vikings the, and the Vikings up by seven with the ball. <laughs> the other team has no timeouts. It's just over. But then he somehow fumbles, and then they score, and then they go for two, which nobody ever does that either <laughs> to go down. It's ridiculous. <laughs> 
so that so Gary, I mean, this Gary Anderson is just uh, the curse a of Gary. The curse Anderson. of Gary. I, I don't know. He, he's there throughout. He's certainly there for you. I'll yeah. You. Well, he's there for the Vikings he's there fans. For the team. Yeah. I mean, they've yeah. had they had other losses, you know, over the years mixed in that I didn't even. Well, you know, do you think that double doink is going to chase the Bears in a similar fashion? I mean, uh, yeah, maybe. Did but it chase Mish out of town? I mean, it does happen to yeah. us. But they don't have. I don't think they have the the history along with it. I think I've been I've been following the Atlanta Braves, uh, you know, all year because I followed them ever since mm. I was a kid. Well, uh, they have the same story. Oh yeah, the Braves do great, and then they take you all the way. They win all the division championships, and then they take you down into the playoffs and build your hopes up, and then just dash them on the rock. Mm. So you know, I know you. <laughs> You people up in God's country think that you're the chosen people, and He's chosen to well, dump on you. But well, in my again, in, in my defense, the Minnesota, <laughs> I'm 31. Minnesota has not has not had a major sports team in a championship game in any of the major sports since since 1991 was the last one with the Twins. We haven't even made it to you know to the Super Bowl. So like, yeah, Atlanta, they've made you know they've at least gotten gotten there yeah. you know there's i don't think so. they've gotten there since uh you're 90 no no because they did they lost to the patriots a few years ago they oh, blew that oh, lead you mean, so oh you mean the, atlanta. the falcons, falcons atlanta oh, yeah, yeah. yeah i'm just saying this the yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the local the teams yeah. the the yeah right. so yeah no i i'd say you're the most miserable yeah i agree with you thanks so how does that does that bear on your golf game you were saying our best podcasts are usually about golf games yeah yeah so i played golf i don't know not i'm just so i I guess the reason i bring that up is one i just you know had to talk to somebody about how ridiculous (laughs) all this is but i'm just the and and it has to happen for the team because you talk about you talked about like the double doink thing right that these like certain events they have a way of of like being this providing the story that just like provides a lens of which you know the the way you look through everything you know like they it took the bears a while to get out of that double doing thing you know they kept bringing in different kickers they got track men out there they were like analyzing all this lot like they just like thought wait and talked way too much about it that it just like hung over the team for longer than it had to and so i don't think you know anyone on the team now is talking about gary anderson but but they, these stories have a way of of you know permeating and, and impacting into them. Yes, it takes it takes something powerful to break the spell. Yeah. There's no doubt some powerful personality or event. Yeah, and so we play. So I played. We played a match. We played golf. It was Friday. Friday at Shepherd's Crook. So mm. It was nice. Yeah, they mm-hmm. had a. They have a fall rate now. It's only twenty five dollars to walk. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a value. Yeah, yeah. So it was me and Rob versus Pete, Lion Weber, and Steve. Pete and Steve have, they've kind of, they're a tough team to beat. They've, you know, they're always on the same team. Yeah. Well, uh, I heard the podcast where Steve like. Oh yeah, they've they've had some moments. Yeah. You know, good, good and bad, mm. and bad, but like they have good. A good team chemistry, like they're tough, you know, they're tough to play against. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started to start truck, and I birdied, I birdied the first two holes, mm. two under through two. Mm. Hole three, I 
missed like a nine footer for birdie. So I was like, wow, like what a, what a great start. But then of course, you know, like your mind just like starts telling stories, right? It's like, um, it's stories of like, oh, I finally, I f- like I figured it out. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not, maybe not yeah. figured it out, but just in those, like I've been pro- working on my game. Like it hasn't been, hasn't really like clicked you know, these past couple months, the way it has at some point, it's like, oh, maybe now, you know, not, but for whatever reason, it's like, it's taken, it's got, it's going somewhere else, like telling a story and explaining, yeah. you know, this, these few holes in the context of like a larger, a larger narrative. And so, so that was, my, as I was walking up one of the fairways, I was like, can I, like, my goal was like, can I play golf? Like without, without the story to try to, like I, th- I was wondering if that would be a, like a an admirable goal to achieve, right? To not not have you know one shot like with that one you know it's the, it's a more in depth way of thinking of like one shot at a time. You know, I know people say that a lot, but of just that this how I play one hole or how I play one shot. Could I do it in a way where it doesn't have to impact this like larger narrative about what's actually going on here? Yeah, and so. I did okay at that. I I finished the front nine even par. Pretty good. A couple bogeys. And then back nine, I had a few holes are like pretty bad. But then I like was literally just like hitting driver like off the planet. I was like out completely out of three holes. It's not not great. We gave we kind of gave the match back to them a little bit. But then I parred a par three to win that hole for the team. And then I birdied seventeen and we won two up. So it was a Wolf good. Crying. Yeah, oh, was oh, a good. You beat those guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You you should be feel very good about that. They yeah. Are. No, I do. It was. Yeah, it was good. It was. <laughs> but it, but the round had lost. You know, many ups and downs. Yeah. In it, and I was, sure. Um, I was. I guess I was wondering what, like what, what stories. I guess we can start with you. Like, are there any stories that you tell yourself when playing golf? And I guess maybe going back to the one. You mentioned earlier you're like i used to use anger mm. as a way and so that's to mm. me that would be a story that about like the way that you play your best is you know through anger you mean what what was what was that story what was the round like or yeah, what, no, to, just what like, was it what, like playing over a long period of time yeah, out of anger one. yeah the second one of like yeah, that do you, I mean, do you see what I mean? Like that was yeah. your at that moment, like that was your like story. Yeah, and it didn't necessarily necessarily help you. It's yeah. Well, I mean, in the moment, it did. You know, I I can remember I was playing in a in a in a team tournament um, uh, at the golf course that I was at, and it was a big gambling money tournament. And I was a very young man, and. Uh, um, we had like four holes to go, and at the time, the the the, the pro was out on the golf course with a walkie-talkie, and so people were had teed off of one and ten, and so he really knew how how the leaders stood, even if they were on opposite sides of the nine. And we thought we our team thought we were doing really well, and we saw him on our fifteenth tee, and he said, "Oh no, Larry Grelly and Doc Kinney are you know like." three strokes ahead of you guys now we've only got four holes to play and so um and so my my guys in the group who are adults much older men and you know in their 
their 30s and, and 40s were sort of disappointed and and we were playing a very difficult hole uh, at this golf course very long hole and I hit a drive and a four iron on the green and I buried uh, a 25 foot downhill putt and I got a shot on the hole so all of a sudden wow. now we made eagle Jeez. and then I uh, birdie the next hole and then I birdie the next hole Wow. And then one of my partners birdies nine, and we finish uh, six under on the last four holes and win the tournament. Well, I, I thought, uh, I thought, man, I've, I found it. <laughs> I found the, the answer. You know, I just, I played, and I felt energized and confident, and I felt like I was in the zone. But uh, what I was listening to in my head was, um, uh, was a rockin' uh, rock and roll song, Can't You Hear Me Knockin' by the, the Rolling Stones. And, uh, and there were other angrier tunes that, that I had on my playlist. And so, so that, was my, that was my winning formula, and I thought that that would be a great idea to play like that. And then, uh, you know, what I found in a lot of tournaments was uh, that, you know, you'd go out and you'd play with guys and they'd be real quiet. We'd all be real serious and we'd be in whatever masks that we decided we were going to put on. Mine was the angry mask. And um, and then we'd play and uh, until we shot ourselves out of any hope of shooting a score worth anything. And then we'd all start talking to each other <laughs> and having a good time and, you know, playing better golf coming in and it, it, it took me you know uh, a number of uh, of events of this kind of behavior and outcome before i realized that this anger thing wasn't really working for me <laughs> like i like i thought it it ought to and um so it took me some years and um and like you say you know there is we are great storytellers and so and we're just natural storytellers. And I've always, uh, or, or for a long time, my belief is that you've just got that voice in your head. And the question is, how will it impact your performance? And the answer that I've come up with is that it, it, um, it takes practice, but it, it, you can walk with any, any story you want. You can... You can walk as Walter Hagen did and chat up your playing partners and talk about politics and talk about art and talk about movies and talk about anything. And that needn't distract you as long as you have a good uh, ritual, what we call shot routine, that enables you to move out of that verbal storytelling side and into a quieter uh thought process and a more uh, purposeful thought process. I was listening to Max Fried, who pitches for the uh, Atlanta Braves, and uh, after the Brewers beat the Braves uh, in 2-1 to one in the first game of their playoff series, Fried comes back uh, and, uh, and uh, pitches six scoreless innings and gets helps the Braves get a three to nothing victory and they interviewed him after the game and he said all of the things that you know you've heard people say like you know well, I just was taking it one pitch at a time and all this and and 
if you just read a transcription of the words that he was speaking, it just sounded like speak. You know, it sounded yeah. like how people are trained. But if you if you looked at the expression on his face, you could see that, and and you and you watched him during the game, you could see that uh, that's how he was literally operating. That bad things that would happen to him. I mean, he's ready. He was ready to abs- absorb them, and and he, I think practiced enough at. Uh, taking that voice of the storyteller that could be chattering in his brain, telling him that there's some sort of momentum that's going against him now, or that because he's now got a runner on first base and that's the first runner he's, he's let on base the whole game, that the tables are turning against him, mm-hmm. right? And now, the, uh, now there's a base hit come after that, and now what do you think? Oh, gosh, this is really it. The crowd's now starting to buzz. Is that what's written you know, in the, the heavens <laughs> yeah. that I'm destined for that. But when you watch, whenever you see as a viewer, for me, it's a form of practice, I think, if you, because we do put ourselves into these people and imagine and empathize with them. Well, I've started to sort of purposefully look for people, you know, who I, I imagine are, getting beyond those stories and uh so I, I i try to view putts that i see people making instead of getting all jacked up myself as i'm sitting in my chair i i practice feeling optimistic and reaching a, a place of calm excitement about the opportunity to hit this putt and uh and uh you know i think that all i think that every opportunity you have to practice training your nervous system, you should take. Because I think we, we grow up with a certain excitement for being afraid, for being scared, like yeah. somebody's after us. Yeah. I used to ride my bike from the country into town, and I'd, and, and I'd ride along the sides of the highways, and I'd use the cars coming up behind me as motivation to pedal my butt <laughs> off like they were chasing me. Mm. Well, you know... When you habitually put yourself into those little fantasies that you do just to kind of stimulate your adrenaline and, and give you a, a great feeling and a, and, a, and, a, uh, and a fantasy that entertains you, I think they get to be kind of habits that actually grow into nervous system reactions that we... we, we we don't realize that we've how we've created them. We tend to think that that we didn't create them. We tend to think that they're just us. This is the essential us. Oh, I'm gutless. I always fail in these situations. That's what's written in the stars for me. And it's uh, I don't believe that. I, you know, I believe that we have uh, somehow uh, through sometimes very innocent motivations created ways of being that become persistent inside of us and we we do have the power to uh to change those ways of being uh but uh not without practice what would you say are the most effective ways to practice it is it imagining it sounds like for you you imagine 
Yeah, you're I, like I, other people. And, well, you use uh, you know you have to use your imagination because that's sure. how you got there. You know, well, that's uh, true. Yeah. and and in order. If you had to wait to practice for life to deliver that situation to you again, like, oh, well, I guess I can't learn how to win uh, the U.S. Open until I'm in another U.S. Open. Sure. Right? Right. Oh, gee, I never got in contention again, you know, so life didn't give me a chance to practice it. Mm -hmm. But I remember, uh, you know, and you've heard this yourself, I remember when Andy North because he's my contemporary, and I remember when he won his first U.S. Open at Cherry Hills, he had to make a six, eight-footer. might have been shorter than that. This might have gotten to be a fish story. But, but they, the green was very windy and very crusty and burned out and, you know, just a treacherous putting service. And he knocked it in to win. And they asked him afterwards how he possibly did that having being that it was his first u.s open and he said he said heck i practiced that putt thousands of times Mm -hmm. in my life and um you know i believe that's that's what 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 successful performers do i think that they they uh take themselves up to that level of stimulation in their imagination and they practice being and shot making you know at that level of of excitement, and you can say, "Well, may, or it can't be exactly like that." Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, real actors don't pretend to be characters; they generate it. Mm-hmm. They yeah. are the character, and so uh, you can say it's an acting lesson to retrain your nervous system. Uh, uh, I just say it's a you know it's an exercise of your uh, executive powers and your imagination, your executive powers to put you deliberately in that situation, and then your imagination carries you uh, to a level of emotional excitement, and uh, and you get to practice. Yeah, I mean, is this? Do you think we could even say just like playing golf is a, a way to practice this in? you know, almost four other areas of, of life. Cause I think the story comes in golf, but it's also really everywhere. Oh, right? definitely. I have, I have a student who, you know, is having trouble, having trouble chipping and they've come for a few lessons and, you know, after a little bit, they get pretty good at chipping. And let's just say they started out, you know, one out of 10 chips were good. Now it's nine out of 10 chips are good. And their reaction is, well, I'll never be able to do this on the course. Right, like that's a story that that person's has told, has believing, is believing, and so, kind of, you know, it's, it's hard to be like, well, just don't tell you, you know, it's not what I had to say, is don't tell yourself that, but it's like, well, you know, we can trust that, you know, our practice will will make it there eventually, but, um, but still, he's tell he needs to, he's telling himself this story that I can't, I won't be able to do this on the course, and so he goes and plays and. Of course, like the sand is different at their course than it is here at the cube. And, you know, the ground is a little bit different and the rough is thicker and you get more bad lies. And so it's like, well, oh, I, I you know I just won't be able to do it out there. And so it's a hard, you know, such an example of, of this like defeating self-talk that is probably hurting, you know. Hurting. Yes. You know, and, and uh, it's it's definitely something to... Uh dig into because you know i have have run into this many many times in my life and 
as a coach, you know, you then take them out to the golf course and, um, and, uh, and uh, see how they perform out there. And, and it, as a coach, you tend to accentuate the positive. And so very often, you know, uh, uh, when a player actually does perform their chips well on the golf course and you know you don't say anything to them while they're out there but at the end of the round you know if you go back over it and start to measure that for them and say listen you had seven chips today and uh, you know five of them were you know inside the leather and uh, two of them were this that and the other thing then you get to see uh, the, uh, how deep this thing is. Because a lot of times the, the notions that they can't do it on the golf course, you'd think, well, all, all I have to do is take them out there and have them show themselves that they can do it and that will break the spell. But sometimes these things are actually driven by deeper core uh, doubts that tend to be unanswerable questions, meaning as many times as you may see proof that what you're saying is not true, you continue to, to, believe, to believe that it is true. And you keep operating out of the sense that, like, no, I can't do it on the golf course, uh, which I think does get us to uh, how golf mirrors life because this is clearly... At that point, this is clearly something that you carry around with you that's larger than I just don't hit good chips on the course. Yeah. Yeah. And so golf, ha- golf is just really bring is like almost a spiritual practice that's bringing this out for Definitely. this person. And now he, as you were saying earlier, you're like you, uh, if you're training for every, if you're just waiting for the, every exact situation to come up again, you'll never, uh, you'll never get enough of those to practice it. So like, you know, if someone's doubt, you know, core doubt is like, I I never, you know, I, I never do good enough at my job to get a promotion or something like that, you know? So like you're not, you know, so let's, let's just say they stay at every place for five years. They don't get a promotion. They move somewhere else. Like that could be a hypothetical story for a person. And so, but they only get so many times to try out, try out new things. Right. And so, but golf, you, you can could literally go out every single day and you'll learn faster that these stories you're telling yourself like aren't, aren't working. Yeah. And aren't necessarily true. Right. You know, but you have to, you know, you have to uh, somehow embrace uh, some version of, of a belief that, that uh, change is possible. Sure. That growth can occur and that you can see evidence of it in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you can even see evidence of it in yourself. And if there's something that is keeping you from really operating out of that belief, even after you've seen it, then uh, this is a you know this is the this is a, something that you need uh, coaching with some someone to help you, whether you want to call that therapy, uh, but someone to help you. Uh, dig into this and lighten up about whatever it is that you believe that's generating this behavior. Um, And, uh, and uh, that's what psychiatry is about. But, you know, there are are other uh, 
you know, other things that people have done that don't necessarily come uh, under the tutelage of a MD or, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which, uh, which, but, but it's the it's the most fun stuff there is, you know, because um, it's just the most fun stuff there is because it was back to what you were we were talking about earlier about, you know, living life out of a virtuous uh, path or living one out of uh, a destructive path. And uh, it is its own reward uh, because, you know, things become uh, easier for you because your, your mind is less burdened by worry and by uh, angry thoughts. And you are... Um, finding yourself creating more uh, uplifting situations for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. And it tends to be, you know, when you do that, uh, there tends to be a reciprocity uh, that comes back to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, that's not necessarily why you would do it. You, you wouldn't do it for, the, for the, the, the recognition. You'd do it in order to add something to that person uh mm -hmm. but it does tend to come back to you from them sure. so that's that's yeah. kind of like a bonus yeah yeah and yeah i guess the yeah the key distinct i i when i I like googled this quote just to see if you know who was writing about it and, and there's some some web some guy was just like this quote is like bs and it's untrue because there's so many people who do bad things and get good results and but like he's he is completely he spent so many words completely missing the point of you know what the thing that it's it's not about you know the ultimate reward it's about you know it's about the the reward in that moment in just that. for doing that thing and yeah. so you know even for this 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 student of mine who's having trouble chipping like you start out making one out of ten good chips and then thirty minutes later you're gonna hit nine out of ten good chips that in itself like could be a reward. If you look at it that way, but, but, but he's seeing it as, uh, well, I can't, I won't be able to do this on the course that they, that they, our, our brain has the other, you know, tendency to tell that story of even when a good thing happens that like, oh, this will, this will never last. I don't deserve or, it. Or yeah, I don't deserve it. Or I probably still, you know, did something wrong, you know, right. I have another, a different student who she, she, you know, again, in chipping, like let's just say five bad chips in a row then hits one good chip and it's like oh well did i was my elbow right on that one you know like they just assume that they still were doing something wrong even when you know they got a good result and so it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to to do though i think definitely i i uh Yes, it's a very it is a hard thing yeah. to do. You're you're so right. I mean, i i don't i don't like uh in certain circumstances i i was with my uh, therapist, guy who's a therapist and, and is helping to me to understand how to train and exercise myself. So I noticed that I didn't really, you know, he would show me how to do, you know, exercises. And generally speaking, when I first start doing an, a new exercise or I rehearse things like rehearsing a speech or something like that, a talk, I'm a very bad rehearser. I mean, it's just it's just one stumble and failure after another. And I noticed that I didn't want to uh, t 
take on the exor- the new exercises, the challenging exercises that might show me to be incompetent in front of him. Uh. He'd show me, and then I'd say, he'd say, you want to do them? I'd say, no. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, too. I don't, that, I guess I'm, we'll see how this ends up tying back in, but, like, the student students, there's probably more students than we notice have that same thing for us. You know when they're playing golf that they don't want to they want to me- they don't want to mess up in front of us or something you know that's a, yeah that's other students said to me I she's like you would have she said you would not have been proud with how I played <laughs> this past week and yeah. I'm like I'm not it, you're totally misinterpreting what you think I'm here for yeah you know that if you think I'm you know gaining pride from students playing poorly or 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 playing well you yeah know, obviously you want them to play well but it's not really what what we're here for in that way like, no well i had a student uh, uh uh two of them coming to my mind right now but one of them was a, a really nice gal and uh, uh and we uh made good progress but uh she always felt like it was a um, a recital, hmm. and I'd say, "Listen, this is a work session. You know, I, I'm not interested in in just seeing you hit good shots. I can see the virtue in what you're doing, e- whether the shot goes well or not. I can see the changes that you're making, and and uh, uh, I'd rather that you you know stayed in a mindset of just like." Um, being curious uh, and aware of, of what's going on and uh, not worry about, you know, showing, showing well in front of me. And, and just uh, even this fall, uh, we've spoken indirectly about this gentleman, but uh, he didn't want to take, I, I, had, I, I chased him around for a while. You know, and if I didn't hear from him, I'd reach out to him. And uh, when I would, and I'd say, you know, let's, let's, how are things going? Not well, no, oh, everything's, no, I've had this bad experience and that bad experience. Well, should we have a lesson? Oh, I'm not hitting it good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, I'd, and I said, listen, do you understand what a lesson's about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and no, the fact of the matter is he really didn't and uh, never, never really did. I wasn't ever able to, uh, help him understand the process as I see it. Uh, he just had his own story that was playing in his mind, and I think my voice was like the Charlie Brown teacher, you know. <laughs> you know, he just didn't ever really hear uh, what I was saying for the voices sure. that were in his own head. Yeah. So, wow. you know, that's the way it goes, you know, Andy. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that, you know, people uh, who keep, saying to you things like oh well i'll never be oh well yeah oh well i did it here but really that's just Mm -hmm. because you're here uh i won't be able to do this by myself well i mean you can hear in everything they're saying that there's an underlying message or or belief Mm -hmm. at work right you can see it but uh having they can't no and 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 how can you help them you know see the humor in in it to lighten up about it and you know because it's just such a it's a it's a silly belief mm-hmm. to think that because you're having thoughts that those thoughts are telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I mean, yeah. your thoughts are just a, you know, are a habit. That it's just like the magic eight ball. You know, you just turn it over and flip it up, and it says, uh, you know, yeah, chances are good. Yeah, and maybe you drink, <laughs> you know, water out of a Nazi water bottle earlier that day. You know, that had bad thoughts in it. You know, so, um, yeah, it's just interesting, you know, the more we talk, that, like, these stories, like, regardless of what the person's personality is or ability, like, these stories are really there, uh, you know, in one way or the other. And so, yeah, I don't know, back to, like, my thought of, like, can you play golf with no stories? Like, can you just not, uh, just not have that story playing and just see what, you know, see what happens? Um, well, you know, the problem is you don't have control over that. You know, your your thoughts are, are thoughts. yes. You yeah, know, maybe it's not saying that like you're gonna make sure your thoughts never come back, but um, it's as you were saying. Can you like train your your mind in a way where you know you can have humor over the thoughts that pop up and not let them kind of define you? I in, think in that I think, way. I think you absolutely can. I mean, I right. uh, I think it's I think it's uh, you know it's the hope of uh, civilization, really. Um, it's, or at least it's one of the most hopeful things about human civilization is that that actually can can happen, that you can go in and uh, you know many of us can at any rate and uh, and rewire ourselves um, uh, and our and our and our beliefs and the way our nervous system operates. Now I don't know at a certain point when it becomes a neurological. Thing like a yip yipish thing. I mean, w- the science, uh, at least the science that I've been privy to, is is sort of like um, up in the air as far as how they, be- however they they treat the uh, 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 prospects of someone bringing themselves back or healing themselves from certain sort of neurological. Mm-hmm. scars that they may have brought upon themselves but you know if people can recover and uh, from stroke damage and uh you know i think that they can recover these things as well but uh yeah sometimes there's chemistry that you know is just too mysterious to right yeah and i don't yeah i'm not trained in in the science as as much as others but i wonder if sometimes those um Let's just say, like, putting yips. Does that come from telling yourself the story, like, too long? That, like, either one, like, putting is, like, super, super, super important, right? <laughs> like, you have to do it really well. And then when you start to, like, do it bad, then, like, that's it's, like, a shocking thing to you. And then if you let that keep going and keep going, that's, like, okay, now it's actually something that we can't just fix super easily. Um, well, and, uh, and in other ways of, like... Gall, um, people who just love, let's just say, like internet, the internet and magazines for like swing tips and swing thoughts, and they have all these, all these sort of like swing thoughts and ideas in their head every single time they play, and so that just like gets in their way so much that then now they also have to read all of these like mental game books of how to get those thoughts out of your head in the first place. Of well, you know, Andy, I think that. you know, I remember when Stan Utley, when we first met Stan, there was a, a, a player, 
who came to one of the workshops that had the yips. Mm -hmm. And he had a reverse grip. He had a claw grip. He had, you know, all manner of, of, uh, I mean, he had fixes that he tried. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we, you know, knew about that uh, at the time, uh, what was had been published uh, by neurologists was that, um, you know, because the golf stance is a very rigid, uh, particular, perfected uh, stance, mm-hmm. and that the posture of the arms and the and the hands is another very strict, rigid stance. That if you superimpose one rigid posture over another, and you put it under the the stress of uh, competitive spirit and and earnest studentship, mm-hmm. that it's it's all it's a recipe f- for the yips. Mm. And but physically, so so this guy comes to our workshop and he's got the yips. And and one of the things that characterizes that we learned about from the, the technology, uh, science and motion putting lab, is that the 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 what yippish uh, or, or uncontrollable spasmodic movement at the ball, what it is 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 uh, manifests as an opening of the club face, mm-hmm. which if you tried to hold the club face perfectly square to the line mm-hmm. is really what you have to do. Like you have Got to that. hood it, mm-hmm. you have to rotate your forearm under moving back and rotate it open coming through. And so he had, Stan showed us a way with this guy so that he would exaggerate hitting the ground with the toe of the club and kind of rotating it in a hooking fashion and do it repeatedly about Mm. 10 times. And this sort of what looked like this strange ritual would actually impact his, the pattern that he put on the putt and it was a healing thing. Mm. And so, um, so the neurologists were saying that, that what happens is there's a certain specific set of, uh, of elements that that go into uh, into a repeated precise repeated precision movement and that in order to free yourself of the yips or the neurological chain that results in the spasm this involuntary spasm that you need to change something anything in that chain and that's why changing your grip works in a Mm. temporary way but if your mind continues to create experience as it's as it's been it will turn that new fix into Got it. into yips yeah. in a matter of time. And so, but Stan's cure um, uh, led, uh, you know, led uh, me to, to believe that there may be, um, and I've seen people have the yips and, and improve. And so I, you know, I feel like, you know, almost there's almost anything, and and the stuff that we need to do to get out of it, we're a, we're gonna discover it tomorrow or next year, uh, you know. Yeah, cool. Well, Pete, it's been an hour. I feel like okay. we we do an hour each time. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, time flies um, when I'm with you, Andy. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Well, as it's been a pleasure as always. Pete, talk to you next time. You bet. Thanks a lot. Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. <laughs>